0: Mean not much to you. I've been first and last. Look at how the time goes past, but I'm all
1: Welcome to Talking Giants. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, coming to you with my co-host, Justin Panic coming off a, a weird weekend, you know, where Eli retires, you have the Friday presser, you have the sad emotions, you have the happy, like you got to enjoy it. And then you start having some fun with it because, you know, there's a lot of Eli hate out there. And then towards Sunday, where it's like, okay, it's, it's a Sunday no real football. I'll probably tune under the Pro Bowl, but I can go and actually do some things on my Sunday for the first time in a while. I don't know if you guys saw the video. If you, go follow my now. I'll plug my Instagram for the first time. Go follow me on my Instagram. We were literally jumping cars and stuff to the Kobe news. Literally leaving my brother's house, I check my phone and I see the Kobe news. Like that was like shocking. And we were talking about this pre-show, Justin. Probably the most shocking news of my lifetime. I'm not saying it was like the worst news, like compared to like nine eleven stuff. But for me, like just the most shocking. Like I. Hard to wrap my my you know my arms around it. It was just a, you know, a really weird week and sad week for the the sports world and just the world in general.
0: Yeah, uh, you almost didn't even want to believe it at first, partially because you, you know you never really want to fully believe TMZ uh, and the way that that uh, the way that the media kind of carried that out. Certainly suspect, certainly something to something to talk about. I was actually in my marketing class today. Um, and they were talking about how we're going to look back on this years from now in terms of how people kind of carried out breaking this news. That's something that's going to be like written about. But yeah, very weird, especially coming from Friday, where you think you think that you're feeling emotions and you think that you're feeling genuine sadness. And then you get to Sunday and it's like, whoa, this is really what sadness is and kind of reality hits you in the face. You know, very similar to how we talked about Eli and how we're going to remember him. It's not just the on the field moments. It's it's the stuff that he did off the field. I think people are very much saying that about Kobe Bryant in terms of just the man that he is, uh, what he did for the game of basketball off the court. But nevertheless, Bobby Skinner, uh, you know, we 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 just wanted to start the show and and recognize that you know this is what the sports world is going through. We recognize that a lot of you who are listening to the show that we're kind of going, you're kind of going through it. But we're here to talk Giants. We're here to talk the Eli Presser. Uh, We're here to talk, uh, Giants hired some positional coaches. So we're going to do that. We're hopefully going to take your mind off things for a little while, take your mind off of the crazy world for a little while, and we're going to talk to some Giants.
1: Yeah, I could, like I said, like I'm saying now, I I could talk about this for an hour, about human behavior and the way we reacted. I really could. But for me, when I was listening to my shows today, I was kind of like, let's move on from the Kobe stuff because I kind of want to take my mind off it. I'm always at the school of, if there's tragedy, I don't want to take a week off work. I want to go to work the next day and get my mind off of it. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to try and do our best to get your mind off of it, or we're going to talk about the job. So let's talk about Eli Manning. What we thought was sad, uh, Eli Manning retiring. He had his press conference. I did think the press conference was a little underwhelming. Like I thought I was going to be ball and crying, and Eli was very stoked. You know, he had a speech written out. Um, he didn't cry during the speech really at all. But I thought there were some cool moments, Justin. I want to start with. When he called the fans unique, where he said, and to all the Giants fans out there, you are very unique, but I love you for that. And at first I was like, that's kind of weird. But, <laughs> uh, but I, the more and more I thought about it, the more I, I was like, that was so perfect. Because most guys would have been like, oh, the fans, you were great. You supported me through everything. But we did it. We were Dirks to Eli, um, you know, some more than others. Uh, we, he was a, a topic of debate for years. You know, Giants fans, you know, the New York fans are, are, are rough. And, you know, we take pride in that. Um, we keep it real. And I think Eli saying that instead of, like, oh, I love you, I, th- I thought that was way more real. And I think he does love us for it. Because I think he loves the passion that Giants fans bring that an Arizona Cardinals fan wouldn't bring. That, like, we actually care. And, you know, that, that send-off to Eli Manning, you know, I don't know how many other places that happens. and And so – Eli obviously cares about us, and we care about Eli. I mean, it was nice seeing all of Giants Nation in one unison about like their love for Eli over the last week or so. So it was I thought that was really cool, the more and more I thought. He called us unique. He said we were jerks. said we were dicks. But at the end of the day, he loved us. And I think that's the same way we felt about Eli. He had his flaws. He wasn't the perfect QB. He wasn't putting up unreal stats every single year. But gosh darn it, we freaking won us games. He won us two Bowls and we love him for like his personality and who he is.
0: Yeah, Bobby, uh P- you don't forget uh people that doubt you. Uh y- you don't forget. That's that's not the you know, winning obviously can cure a lot of things, but that's not something that you just uh forget once time goes on. And Eli Manning as we talked about last episode, the ultimate competitor, not something that he did forget. And uh I want to go back to that voicemail that all things giants left us and how he said that When Eli Manning took that breath after that 2007-2008 Super Bowl victory, when he was on the stage kind of alone, he took that breath, kind of was shedding a tear a little bit. That breath symbolized all of that hate, all of that doubt, but also all of the work that went into coming, you know, going into that one moment. All of that was kind of like lifted off of his shoulders at that moment. So we talked about that last episode. But really, the more time went on, I kind of agree with you, Bobby, where that's kind of like, wow, that's kind of like a really awesome number one genuine Eli moment, but also number two does summarize kind of perfectly the, the love-hate relationship we did have with Eli.:
1: Yeah, and it was obviously more love, but it was just like Jai's fans were, cra- were crazier than others, and I, I liked that a lot more than just saying, "Oh, the fans are great, they loved us, and we couldn't be here without you guys. I just I just like that a lot more. And then the other quote, the you know Wellington mayor, you know said. Once a giant, uh, always a giant. But for me, it was only a giant. That was just kind of a cool quote for him to, to send it off on. I think that's, that's one we're going to remember for a long time, Just Eli, only a giant.
0: You know, grammatically, Bobby, I think it has, it has some problems because <laughs> I was talking. It
1: doesn't bother <laughs> me because <I>, grammatically <laughs> I have some problems.
0: That's true. That's true. And I, and I am an idiot. So I I am an idiot. So I shouldn't be talking that much about grammatical errors. Um, I, oh, also I was on the radio in the UK and I said the quote wrong in the interview, uh, that when the uh, shout out to, uh, Anthony Wooten, who, uh, who interviewed me and my voice was featured in the UK, I said the quote wrong anyway. So I'm a, I'm a jerk and an idiot, both for those things, but neither here nor there. Um, how did you say the quote? i honestly forget i said once a giant always a giant but for eli it, i i honestly forget i don't even want to talk, i don't even want to really talk about it well um, now that it,
1: we're admitting things when I, when I you know put out the video of him saying that i said for me it was always a giant which like that was not what he said it was only a giant so I, I, just, right. I i did typo city too
0: No, oh, it's we're we're just we're really messing up we're, we we really are the voice of the people on this show
1: are you saying the, the people are dumb too
0: no, I'm saying that we are doing a great job of being the voice for the people as 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 Talking Giants co-hosts. But um, for me, it's only a... I was, so so. here's my main story. Um, I was telling my friends about this quote and how awesome this quote is. It's like, oh, this should be something that should be written in MetLife Stadium. Like, you know, how Derek Jeter has that quote ready for, ready for me to mess up this one too. Uh, I thank the good Lord every day for making me a Yankee. Now, how did I remember that? But I couldn't remember something that happened 20 minutes ago when I had that interview. But, uh... This is going to be something that should be written in MetLife Stadium and in the locker room for the New York football giants one day. And it's technically not even grammatically correct. And my friends were pointing that out. But I'm like, you know what? Screw you. I don't like you. I don't want to talk to you anymore. This is so football.
1: That, this isn't grammar. So that's yeah, your friends like, like three minutes. BFF
0: too? Ooh, good burn. Good burn.
1: Just saying. Um, now, the, the part that did get me emotional, Justin. Was John Mayer talking about his dad and tearing up, being like, Mm -hmm. talking about that 04 Dallas game, which was a really cool game. Like, I remember that one very specifically. I remember watching it in my room on a little tiny TV and Tiki Barber breaking the record. And and it was just that that's one that sticks out for me. And then, you know, Wellington, you know, talking about, I think we got the one. And and then John Mayer crying, like, you know, tearing up, talking about that's the last game my father saw. That was the one part that got me like, oh, gosh, like that. That's the only one that got me teary eyed when I was rewatching it.
0: No matter how much flack we've given the Giants over the course of the past few years for particularly John Mara and how he's run the organization, like he runs it like a family business and usually things that are run like a family business uh, aren't always fully run to the to the best capacity and to the best uh, to their best potential. But I mean, that's a moment that reminds you, this is the New York football giants. It's based in family, you know, it's it's based in this corny, corny crap that we we brought up, we brought up last episode, once a giant, always a giant. You know, and John Mara echoed that, you know, with, with remembering his father and remembering that moment. And it really it pulls back the curtain because there were times, there are always times, where I'm saying, like, oh, what I would do to be a fly on the wall to be a part of conversations with like ownership and management and coaches, like just what do they think about these moments? How do they interpret these moments? And to kind of get that, you know, pulling back the curtain moment from John Mara. And he was like, you know, this is, this is what, this is the moment that I had with my father. And this is the moment that we both figured out that we had our guy week 17 of the rookie of his rookie season. Uh, Really cool moment. Really cool moment. Not a moment that you get that you get to hear about uh, extremely often.
1: And, you know the whole family business thing, and John Mayer gets criticized, and I get it. You know, but you know, I think John, like you can't, you can't say that John Mayer doesn't care. Like Steve Tish, he missed because he was sick, and I get that. But you know damn well John Mayer wouldn't have missed that for anything. You know what I'm saying? Like John Mayer could have been decapitated, and he would have showed up.
0: That would have been or, tough.
1: I meant I meant to say having a leg taken off, and then I said decapitate. That was a weird <laughs> way to that, say it.
0: That would have been really tough.
1: <laughs> but the point is, is that he wouldn't have missed that for the world, you know. So that's why when people like get on Steve Tish, like, like, "Oh, Steve Tish saved the day," I'm like, nah, "Not really."
0: Wait, but speaking th- of speaking of Steve Tish, now we said that Eli Manning probably wouldn't go into TV, but but Bobby Skinner, do we think? That he could possibly go into movies and Steve Tish can be his producer.
1: Um yeah, he'll be in movies like the way Terry Bradshaw is in movies. You know,
0: I I'm thought saying? he I thought he was only in a, only in male enhancement commercials.
1: Uh, he's in a movie with um is it Bradley Cooper or Matthew oh, no, McConaughey?
0: I, I'm thinking of Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson is in male enhancement commercials.
1: Terry Bradshaw's in shingles commercials. And that's disgusting,
0: right? Fun fact I had shingles.
1: I know, that's why I said it's disgusting.
0: I'm twenty I'm twenty one years old and I had shingles.
1: You're disgusting.
0: I'm also an old man.
1: Now I'm gonna get shingles for saying that that's disgusting. All right. I don't know how we got off on this rail. Uh so yeah, John Mara, like it was it was cool to see that kind of emotion out of him. Besides that from the presser, I don't think there was much to take away from it. It was cool to see Coughlin there, cheesing. C- Coach Cutcliffe was there. You know all the all the guys. You know Sean O'Hare, David Deal, uh, Soybert, Those guys are there. Brandon Jacobs, Plax, and you know I really thought that it was cool that Daniel Jones was there because I really thought like for him to soak it all in. That'd be like you know what you go out you you be the guy you win Super and this is you in fifteen years and just kind of letting him know like this is what this organization is about and you know what that's that's my hope uh, that. We're doing this, that we're having the same episode 15 years from now. Me as a 43-year-old man still uh, getting emotional about the game of football.
0: That's a great point. I never thought about that. I have a quote. Can I, can I tell you my my big quote and my big takeaway?
1: Um, sure, if you'd like to, I guess so.
0: I, I would very much like to. Thank you for allowing me to share my thoughts and opinions.
1: Make it um, snappy.
0: I will make it, I will make it snappy um
1: snap every other word like spongebob with the. okay go
0: the crusty crap um so the big the big takeaway and the big moment for me again this so this was a moment very similar to you where where eli was talking about the fans and then you kind of thought about it a little bit later and you're like okay this is how i'm actually going to interpret it and this is how it's really cool when eli said uh, i did it my way now obviously you know we always think of frank sinatra right you know we always think of frank sinatra should i sing it do you want me to sing it
1: No, please do not.
0: All right. I I really want to. I'm really tempted. But so that's the cliche line, especially, you know, Frank Sinatra, New York, New York, blah, 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 blah. But I'm like, okay, well, Eli really did it his way. We were recording Talking Giants on Friday, thinking and talking about how Eli Manning is going to get emotional up there, up on that, you know, up on that podium. And he didn't. And in a way, I'm kind of like, well, well, but that's like. That's perfect for Eli, but like, Eli
1: is an emotional dude. We've seen him cry like
0: four times in our life. No, he, he, he is. He is emotional, but he's also he's also an introvert. Like publicly, publicly, he's an introvert, and even and even privately, except obviously with his with his pranks and whatnot. And you know, he would be a jokester. You know, and he would be he would be a leader in terms of vocally when he had to be. But overall, I would call Eli Manning a, a, a very much an introvert throughout his entire life. And that press conference was still b- him being him in the most authentic way that he could, where in terms of it was professional, he did what he had to do. Not, now, I wouldn't have faulted him for getting emotional. I kind of wanted him to get emotional because it would have made me emotional, and then I would have I had all the feels and whatnot. But even that press, that final press conference where we were expecting him to get emotional and he didn't, he did it his way. And I, I so I think that that may be more of just a and silly thought more than anything. Um, you know, just when we thought that we would see something out of him, he stays in control. He stays calm and he delivers under pressure when he has to.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's, that's basically what it is. And he's just not a script guy. That's like it was just so scripted. Um, in fact, it was more like real when he was talking to the media when they were asking their questions. That was that was like the Eli we, we know. He's just not a script guy. All right, do do we have anything else on Eli before we move to these coaches?
0: Uh unfortunately, no. Uh, this uh, do you went...
1: realize as we finish this, it's gonna be the last time we actually talk about Eli for a really long time. I, I was just, I just realized that, so I'm asking you if you realize that.
0: No, I, I was. That's literally what I was about to say. Because uh, I almost just wanted to say I kind of don't want to stop talking about it because even though. These last few years, you know, I've been podcasting one season longer than uh, Bobby Skinner has in terms of podcasting about the Giants. So, 2018 was uh, quite the quite the time to be talking about the Giants in terms of their quarterback position. Whereas this year, there was a lot more there was a lot more optimism about the future moving forward. So, I kind of I kind of almost can't believe that we're going to be putting you know putting Eli Manning aside at least until. More Hall of fame conversations come up at least until we hear that what Eli Manning is going to be doing in terms of his next steps um, yeah I there, did hell. have a
1: lot of fun sharing the SMD picture with the you know the, the blurry with him throwing the text chat. I
0: had a what lot is of that fun. What does that acronym mean again for like for the for, for the for the older people older citizens at home
1: They can figure it out SMD okay Google it Yeah the middle word is my. Anyways, oh, I, had a, I had too much fun with that. I was just I, There was one point where I was actively looking for people saying bad things about Eli to reply to them with that. Like, I didn't get in any arguments with anybody, Justin. I just, okay, this. And then someone was, would respond back like, well, I, 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 I just respond back right with that. They so stole the- our good tweet and put it on Reddit and literally cut out our handle from it. It's nah. the guns. Piss me up, Pissing me off. Oh, oh, that pisses me off. That
0: pisses me right off. There ain't nothing wrong with uh, Petty Bobby every once in a while. There ain't nothing wrong with it. No, it's, it's good
1: for me. It, it helps me clear out my head. All right, let's take a break, and we'll talk about some of these assistant coaches, from Freddie Kitchens all the way to Jerome Henderson. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All uh, right, the Giants hired... A whole lot of coaches in the past week. Now we've been all in all Eli mode, so it's, we haven't really talked about it. Justin, let's start at the top with uh, the former Browns head coach, old Freddie Kitchens. He is going to be the Giants tight end coach. This was reported like a few, like four or five days ago. That guy was full of it, and anyone who was credible was like, "No, this is like it may happen, but it has not happened." I mean, what are your initial thoughts on on old country boy Freddie Kitchens?
0: Well, uh, you kind of don't want to really think about how much of an idiot he was uh, in terms of him being a head coach and him being a play call over at the Browns. No, uh, you that. have
1: to remember that Baker Mayfield was the idiot.
0: All right, you really want my like initial initial thoughts? How often do you see a head coach really really fall from grace to not even wind up back in coaching at a, as an offensive coordinator? And just goes right back to be a position coach. Like, I know Ben McAdoo did that, but...
1: Ben McAdoo hasn't even gotten a job.
0: Oh, well, he I think he interviewed for jobs after he was fired, but then he didn't even get a job. So, like, how is this rare that this happens, that you have a coach who's, like, on top of the mountain, and then he gets fired, and then he's bumped all the way back down to positional coach, doesn't even go back to being a coordinator?
1: I'm not sure. I, I think it might be a little more... Like, I, I'm not, I mean, there's definitely had, like, you know, Jim Caldwell, for one. He, he went back to, um, uh, like, he was a position coach with the Dolphins. There, there's guys that happen. But, yeah, it's, it's usually they go back to coordinators. Um, But the thing with Freddie Kitchens, though, is he was never really a coordinator. He had, you know, what was it, 10 games as an offensive coordinator from the Browns after Hugh Jackson was fired uh, and, and Todd Haley. He got upgraded from the running back coach to the offensive coordinator. I mean, he's been a position coach his whole life. I mean, 2004, Mississippi State tight end coach. 2005, Mississippi State running back coach. That's where the Joe Judge connection comes from. And we heard the video of them building uh, uh, swing sets. 2006 was the Cowboys tight end coach with Bill Parcells. Then from 2007 to 12, he was the tight ends with the Cardinals. Then the QB coach for uh, four years. Then the running back coach in 17. And then, obviously, last year, uh, the last two years with the Browns and becoming the head coach, which was a surprising move that the Browns Made this guy the head coach. It was it was all about keeping like that that compatibility with Baker Mayfield, and it, it was a mistake because he was he just wasn't he's just not a head coach.
0: Very similar, to, like how we talked about with Jason Garrett. Uh, you know, if Jason Garrett to the giants kind of makes you a shiver a little bit, but the fact that he's the offense coordinator, you're like, okay, you know, you'll kind of take that Freddie kitchens on the giants makes you shiver in a way, but as a tight end coach, you're like, you know what? Yeah, that's the, that's the spot for him. That's the spot you kind of prefer. He's been a tight end coach before he's been a positional coach in a lot of different capacities before, uh, worked with Joe judge clearly has that chemistry. Maybe we can save this conversation until later in the episode, but I kind of do want to bring it up now. Correct me if I'm wrong. And, you know, listeners, if you want to shoot me a DM and call me an idiot, please do. But this staff seems to have much more continuity with each other in terms of just knowing each other and working with each other before in the past compared to our previous head coaching staffs.
1: Yeah, it's there seems to be like it's either a connection with Jason Garrett or with Joe Judge. And, you know, we see that with. We're not going to talk about it, the assist, like the defensive and offensive assistance, but like Jody Wright, who was uh, a GA with Joe Judge and Mississippi State, and then was with uh, Freddie Kitchens. I mean, all these guys seem to have like some kind of connection to either Jason Garrett or Joe Judge. You know, a lot of Alabama connections, and then you have the guys like you know Jerome Henderson uh, or, or or Kevin uh, Scherer, who have had some kind of connection with uh, Jason Garrett. So yeah, a, a lot of a lot of connections with these two guys, which it's like, cool. Like you obviously you want to know a guy, but it is a little worrisome. Like you hear stories about head coaches, like hiring their friends and giving their friends too much of a leash. That is the thing that worries me um, about it. But obviously you want to be familiar with guys you're working with too.
0: Yeah. I mean, that is, that is an inevitable fear, but also what I think about, and I talked about this a few episodes ago about how the fact that with the CBA that came post 2011 and post lockout all those years ago, with the limited practice time compared to what was pre-2011, pre-2010, where you can have your two-a-days, you can have multiple practice sessions on an actual football field during the day, whereas now you have your one practice a day, that's you know three hours, two and a half hours or so, and then the rest of the time is spent in the classroom. The fact that you're going to have a head coaching staff that knows each other, most of them know each other, either through Garrett or through working with Judge previously, either in the collegiate level or the pro level, you're going to have guys that know each other. You're going to have guys that you you know what to expect out of them. You have guys where you know, Judge is always going to be looking at not only just his players' weaknesses and strengths, but he's going to be looking at his coach's weaknesses and strengths. He mentioned that during his introductory press conference. So. Bobby that you bring up an absolutely fantastic point and that is the thing that does make you trepidatious but at the same time it's like well with the limited time compared to a few years ago limited time that coaches do have with their players in today's NFL it may work out for them hopefully in the long run since they do know each other they know what to expect out of each other so there's the pro and con on both ends of the spectrum there.
1: Yeah, and and Freddie Kitchens is someone I'm I'm very confident with him as a tight ends coach. Like we said, he's been really well respected. I mean, supposedly Bill Parcells like forced him to be his tight ends coach in Dallas. Um, it seemed like everybody in Arizona loved him. I mean, we put out the tweet today, and Sarah Zeidler, who you know uh, Kevin Zeidler was with him in Cleveland, was like excited about it. So obviously Kevin Zeidler must uh, you know feel some kind of way about him. So I I do I do like the Freddie Kitchens hire. Maybe out of all the positional coaches, I might like that one the most, honestly. I mean, the next thing I'm going to talk about, Mark Colombo, that one might make me feel pretty good. But I, I think if you ask me, like, oh, we're going to get this guy for this position, Freddie Kitchens, it seems like the most slam dunk. And, you know, the fact that he has that connection with Joe Judge as well. And he, he could maybe become friends with us and we could talk trash about Baker Mayfield.
0: I think uh, we... We might like that. Or you might like that a little bit more than me. But uh, one one final thing I do want to mention about Freddie Kitchens: uh, his nickname was Thick when he was a quarterback at Alabama because he was the thickest quarterback in the SEC. So from here on out, I want everybody to refer to Freddie Kitchens as Thick with two C's.
1: Thick with nineteen C's. All right, Mark Colombo, the Dallas offensive line coach, comes over with Jason Garrett. Uh, you know, he played with the Bears for his first few years, and then went. Uh, and he, he, uh, he finished his career at Dallas, was a pretty good offensive lineman for them. 2016, he takes the assistant O-line coach, and then uh, when Bill Callahan leaves, he becomes the O-line coach in 2018 and 2019. I liked his hire. Obviously, everybody wanted Bill Callahan, but Mark Colombo seems a lot better than the Dave, uh, the Gujolamiho, whatever guy. That guy seemed like just a real dick. And I like dick coaches. But he just, he was a jerk. And he was in Miami just doing a, like a regular like media, and he was just being a jerk to them for no reason. Like they weren't asking anything crazy. They're just kind of some basic questions. And he was being a jerk to them. The story with Denzel, good. So basically, listen, do I know if Mark Colombo's a good offensive line coach? No, I don't, even though Dallas has had some really good offensive lines and was second in sacks and, and fourth in yards per carry. So like they've had production. We know that's a lot of less talent. But for me, I, I like the Mark Colombo hire. It 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 was sec- it would have been second for me after Callahan.
0: Yeah, what's interesting about this hire is the fact that it was kind of not really reported, but through my conversations that I've had with some people on Twitter, when like, oh yeah, Bill Callahan to the Giants is actually a thing. But as time went on, there were some Cowboy fans that got in my mentions and said, you know, Bill Callahan and Jason Garrett have beef. And whether that was, you know, beef that still exists or whether they were actually able to put that to the side – nobody really knows it was reported that they may be willing to work on each other but that doesn't matter now so i guess the best kind of alternative if you were such a a stand for bill callahan coming to the organization is to get the guy that number 1 is he's much younger he's recognized as an, and respected by everyone he has worked with and seen as one of the brightest young minds in the game when it comes to positional coaches and the fact that he worked under bill callahan for a few years as well um so that's what I would say is kind of like a, a consolation. If I know there were people out there that were really Bill Callahan stands and they would have really thought. That that would have put the cherry on top for this Giants coaching staff um, if Bill Callahan was able to come along, but the fact that Colombo he was a former player, he has this old school approach. Now again, these these are just words; these are just quotes. You could take them as they come. Doesn't mean that we actually know this guy's philosophy or really his coaching style, but just from what we can find out, he seems to have this old school approach from everything that we're reading. But he's still a guy that can really relate to players, and I can only imagine. And Bobby, maybe you can speak to a little bit more about this. I can only imagine just how much current offensive linemen they really do respect him as someone who is recently in their shoes and had success in the game of football.
1: And just showing the video of him try, like almost fighting Brandon Jacobs, and that should give anybody within the Giants organization some kind of respect because Brandon Jacobs is a, is a bad dude. Like that is one dude who like you don't want to get into a fight with. Like I would rather fight. Six foot eight offensive lineman than I would Brandon Jacobs and Mark Colombo just went up game a little shot. Obviously, it wasn't a real fight, you know. You know how athletes are. It's just a little, you know. They like to push and go. Oh, hold me back. But Brandon Jacobs was the one guy where like he might actually just punch you right in the face. I mean, we saw him literally throw his helmet into the stands against the Colts.
0: Really smart decision on a uh, Brandon Jacobs part. Can I, Bobby? Can do you care if I share? Um, probably the most interesting and fun yet crazy fact about mark colombo and possibly play a sound clip that follows
1: of course i care what we put on the show and i want you to
0: share okay so the most interesting fact that i found about mark colombo and again this is this is justin Pennock's contributions to the show where he finds out these crazy things like freddie kitchens having the nickname thick and then what i'm about to share right now this is my contributions to to society and to talking giants this is it um so while Colombo was on the Cowboys, he was the lead singer of a metal band named Free Rain, which actually has the, If you look up Free Rain on YouTube and the song that I'm about to play right now, I forget the name of the song, but um, you're going to see that it has like 40,000 something views, and it's kind of crazy. So the band also had fellow teammates Corey Proctor and Leonard Davis. They considered Metallica one of their biggest influencers. And right now, I'm going to play you The Bridge. To the end of a song, 40 seconds of this song, that Mark Columbo, he was the lead singer of this band called Free Rain. So here it is. So Bobby Skinner, uh, Mark Columbo can kind of rock and roll. And I found myself, while I was doing show prep, I found myself listening to a few of his songs. But then I'm like, I don't really fully enjoy metal, so I turned it off.
1: I hate metal. I hate it with a passion. So this made me actually not dislike him um, because, you know, I get along with people that are metal heads. But it was just like, this is weird, Mark. Why are you doing metal? Now, if he was doing something like classic rock, then i would have been like, very cool, Mark. But like you, like you, Justin, metal just doesn't do it for me. I'm sorry. I know that's going to offend some of our listeners. And they shouldn't be offended because I'm just giving you my preferences. But I don't know. Whenever we do interview Mark Colombo, I'm going to grill him about that. Like, come on, man. Why couldn't you just
0: sing us some real music? Wow. Re- real. Wow. Real music. That's that's cult. That's really cult. It's true. I didn't think you well, I, I would stoop that low. Can the metal
1: community really get mad at me for throwing a shot? Like, you can't sing those songs and then, like, get. Get all butt about me saying I don't like your music. It's Wait, real, time it's, out. It's it's unmetal to get mad about that.
0: Wait, t- but time out. I honestly think if you look up Bobby Skinner on Instagram, and what he did over the weekend in those crazy cars, I think that's like the most metal thing ever. Like, that's just not metal. That's gritty. just
1: that's just having fun, which <laughs> is a lot of fun. That was my brother's birthday present to me. We bought some scrap cars and took them out into the woods and beat. That's more redneck than it is. And that's country more than it is metal.
0: I guess they're true. I guess you're right.
1: That's just like a Skinner family tradition. Like I always say, my family is not redneck at all. Um, I won't, I won't say redneck at all, but my family is not redneck. Now that we live in Florida, we do enjoy doing redneck things, um,
0: like throwing fireworks out of moving vehicles.
1: Yes. Have I told that story? Oh, I did tell that story on the show because I talked about how I almost died. I almost died a couple times over when we. Me and Danny, we took uh, a break over the Fourth of July week. That was our only break we took over the uh, the last calendar year. and over that over that break, I was stung by a bee and found out I was allergic to bees, even though I've been stung many times and almost died in my customer's uh, yard. and I accidentally had firecrackers go off in my vehicle while I was driving.
0: All right, so moral of the story is we cannot take a Fourth of July break.
1: Oh, we are definitely taking a Fourth of July break, baby. We can't. I'll save it for the Fourth of July episode. But one time we put a roll of firecrackers in my grandma's house. Bad story. Uh, it caused lots of problems in the family. And it was my dad that was the ringleader, of it. so it wasn't, it wasn't me messing with my grandma. It was my dad and his siblings. It was it was a wild night, anyways. Uh, did we cover enough on Mark Colombo? We went down this rabbit trail of blowing things up.
0: Yeah. Do you wanna? Do you wanna quickly mention how? Uh... Uh, we didn't talk about this with uh, Jason Garrett's offensive philosophy and how uh, the the Coriel offense basically says you have a cor- the, the your running game is going north to south and downhill. So, do you want to quickly mention again? I feel like you've mentioned this three different times on this podcast throughout throughout its uh, throughout its history about the fact that the Giants will not be a team that uh, fully commits to running the ball outside of the tackles. Do you want to well, mention that again? Not
1: with the personnel we have right now, and like I like I've said over and over again, you can't just Like when people say run outside, it's probably the hardest thing to do in football is to get a consistent run game outside of the tackles. Now I'm not talking about uh, Saquon bouncing a play. I'm talking about design outside of the tackle stuff. It takes really well blocking and it takes more time. Um, Dallas, obviously, like they were, like you said, were north and south. Obviously, you know, you had your stretch plays and some tall stuff. But it was basically handoffs to the inside. And that's what the NFL is, unless you're the 49ers or the Vikings and you have Kyle Rudolph or, or um, George Kittle blocking. So it's it's going to be up like, I know people are like, oh, why are you running up the middle? But that is what running to the balls in the football is today. Obviously, we talked about with Garrett, there's a lot of shifts and motions. Those are ways you can free up men in the box and things like that. Mark Colombo, they listen, they had a very successful running attack with Zeke in that offensive line. Like I said, that's very talented. But nonetheless, they've had success. So let's see if they can have success with, with a less talented offensive line and a more talented back, in my opinion.
0: Next uh, assistant coach. We'll move on. Kevin
1: Scherer out of, out of Tennessee. Hold on while I, look him up, while I look up all my stats on him. He is the Giants' inside linebacker coach, which is a.k.a. the linebacker coach. Brett Bielman is the outside linebacker, a.k.a. edge coach. Kevin Scherrer. So he's the inside linebacker coach. His resume last year, he was the special teams uh, coordinator and linebacker coach of Tennessee. 2018, he was a defensive coordinator, so he took a, a bit of a reduction. In 2014 to 17, he was Georgia's outside linebacker coach, so he worked with Lorenzo Carter. That's interesting. Uh, he was a South Alabama defensive coordinator and DB coach, and then with Joe Judge uh, from 2010 to 2012. He was an Alabama director of player development, a role that uh, running back Coach Burton Burns has played in. Uh, I don't know a ton about him. I'd love to get some interviews in the next couple of weeks about some of these guys. Uh, I went and looked at some interviews, and he said the right, like, the key words that, like, you know, being multiple in their defense and being teachers. Those are some of the things in his interviews that I looked up that stuck out because those are things that, that Joe Judge has preached. So you can see where there's a connection there that uh, would make sense.
0: Yeah, uh, we don't really know much about our new coach Kev. I'm gonna call him Kev. Um, I w- I will say this is the guy that I struggle with his last name most, so I'm it's gonna call him Kev. It's Scherrer. Scherrer. All right.
1: Um, I had an ex girlfriend whose last name was Furere, so it's mm-hmm. Chirrere. I'm pretty sure it's like the same spelling. She's a bad person. I don't like her. I'm just, I, wow. I'll, now I brought her up, and it's gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have a bad night. I'm just gonna be like,
0: I, I don't know what I'm doing. Let's move along. <laughs> karma uh, Bobby Skinner it's karma but I'm sorry I had to bring up those bad memories for you uh, so Kevin Scherrer, uh, probably first of all I wanted to mention this is his first NFL job if you didn't pick that up from Bobby Skinner's resume that he just put together it is his first NFL job but kind of just thinking about what his role is going to be with the Giants Bobby let me ask you this I think Kevin Scherer is probably going to have the hardest job out of any of the positional coaches heading into 2020, because you're going to have a Ryan Conley who's coming off of a torn ACL. You know, is he ready? Is he not ready? And there's still a lot to be yet to be determined about, you know, through the draft and free agency, et cetera. Alec Ogletree, you know, God willing, is not going to be on this football team. We're going to save some money. You know, we'll eat whatever dead cap, which isn't much that we have to eat. So Kevin Scherer probably has the toughest job out of all these positional coaches. Is that fair to say?
1: I'd say the offensive line, but yes, because the the talent is just the offensive line is just the most scrutinized position. Um so I that's just I think that's for anything. But yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. It's the least talented position on this football team is the inside linebacker. And the the guy with the really the talent you like is coming off an ACL injury. I mean, seriously, it's the, mo- it's the is there is there any other position that's less talented than our inside linebackers right now? No. Connolly's the only guy I even want on the roster. Ogletree I don't want on the roster. David Mayo as maybe a fourth middle inside linebacker, I would like I would take him on the roster. I know people like David Mayo for some reason, but he sucks. I'm just here. To, I'm just here to tell you that. And then who else? Like, I think that's kind of. Is there any? I mean Josiah Tuefa, cool. I, I mean some cool things he did uh, at University of Texas San Antonio. It will it translate to the NFL? I don't know. Maybe maybe Joe, they get the best out of him, but. Connolly's the only guy I really am like, ooh, I can't wait to see him play and he's got a freaking torn ACL.
0: Yeah. I mean what you what you can say about Mayo and Tuefa is the fact that they can tackle well. Uh, if you're if you've been listening for Talking Giants for a few weeks, you know how I, much I value uh, a good tackling form. Uh, Tuefa especially showed that during the preseason. Uh, Mayo showed that uh, throughout his time as a starting linebacker. You know maybe they can earn a spot through special teams. Uh, at least what they have on their side is that Gettleman is still the GM, so it's not like everybody is a stranger. And you know Gettleman has actually actually seen both of those guys play. And you know I basically called it the hardest the hardest uh, group that is going to have to be coached other than old line, since that is probably just the hardest job. But I'm just looking at talent-wise, because Ryan Conley is, is really the only guy that you know for a fact he's going to be on the team in 2020.
1: Well, like he's, the only, what,
0: he's the only body.
1: Watch we'll us end up with Isaiah Simmons and Corey Littleton, and it becomes the most talented position on the, the roster.
0: Well, I'm just saying as of right now. like I'm I know, but I'm just saying, as I'm as just saying right
1: it's just funny. Like it, could go, it could go from the worst position group to the best position group. Besides like QB and running back, where it's basically one guy. Uh, Kevin Scherrer, any, any other thoughts on him before we move on? We'd like to get some guys who know more about these guys going forward, but we, we don't want to fill air with just BS. and Anything else on uh, on old Kevin? I had an – my class's imaginary friend in eighth grade was named Kevin. We used to do homework for him. He was, he was a big deal. I, I, it's hard to explain on the show, but he was a big deal. Kevin.
0: I moved to a different school in fifth grade. And everybody thought my name was Kevin for, like, the first two days. So, no, I have no other thoughts on Kevin uh, Ferrer being your ex-girlfriend. So, no, I have no other thoughts.
1: Why'd you have to bring that up? Why'd you have to bring that up? You suck, Monique. Anyways,
0: Brett Bielma,
1: he is the outside linebacker's coach coming over from the Patriots. I think he's best known as his time as the Wisconsin head coach. And as the Arkansas head coach, Wisconsin, he was a very good head coach. Um, And Arkansas didn't have the success, but he seems to be like a country boy that gets along with everybody. Uh, Went and was the D-line coach of Belichick. I like this hire. I mean, I I feel like a guy who's had that success, kind of success, um, is a a good move. And, you know, a theme had always been, like, getting some guys with head coaching experience in here with Joe Judge, which I think can be a little overrated. But nonetheless, it's it's, it's definitely not bad. So I like Bielma coming over. It'll be weird seeing him in the very zeroed-in role where it's just outside linebackers. Although Joe Judge has given these guys all kinds of crazy higher like different titles the same way that uh, Bill Belichick does.
0: Yeah, you stole my sports radio point where I wanted to bring up uh Brett Bielma's ninety-seven at fifty-eight uh record as a college coach, and you know how that could be somewhat valuable to Joe Judge. But uh, you know, if there was a concern that you had early on as Joe Judge was forming his staff is that he didn't have enough head coaching experience in terms of previous head coaching experience whether it is at the collegiate level or the pro level uh, but now he's has guys like Bielma he has guys like Kitchens he has guys like Garrett so you're not really concerned about that but apparently friend of the show Dan Schneier uh, had to bite his tongue a little bit in regards to what he thinks about him has Dan Schneier is a is an alum at the University of Wisconsin so besides that I kind of I kind of have a – mm, Wisconsin was on,
1: pretty good with him, wasn't he? Weren't
0: they? I, I might remember him wrong, but uh, I think uh, Schneier had a – Dan, uh, our friend Dan Schneier had to bite his tongue a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is a good hire. Maybe we could get somebody else to come on and talk. Kevin, we need to get Kevin Zeidler on the show because he's been with Kitchens and he was with Bielma at Wisconsin. So that would be the, the get interview. So tweet at Kevin Zeidler. You should go into Talking Giants. I'm just saying. Do it right now, literally right now. Go tweet at Kevin Zeidler. Um, you should go. i talking Giants. Would really Kevin, appreciate that.
0: Kevin Zeidler also has one of the smoothest voices I've ever heard in my entire life. I have a soundbite. I will play that Kevin Zeidler uh, drop that I have right now.
1: I think it's um, you know, it's really the start of the year. You know, we might not have pads on, but us, our communication. You know, me being new here, learning how the other guys around me work. You know, it's critical getting that understanding before training camp so you can move forward instead of just learning everything. We were going to try and get him on the show to chug. Remember, like, when off, like offensive lineman chugging beers was big in the summer? Yes. We were going to try and get him on, and I was going to chug a beer versus him and see who can chug it faster.
0: That who would you great. bet on that? That would have been great radio. Um, shoo! Who, who would I have, have bet on? I mean, Kevin Zeitler seems to be, like, a perfectionist in literally everything that he does.
1: Oh, I'm not. Okay. Wow.
0: No, 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 Bobby Skinner, you're not. You literally almost set fireworks off in your grandmother's house, and I definitely trust oh, that Kevin Zeitler. That
1: wasn't an almost. That was on purpose. So <laughs> technically, that was a perfection. That was. I'll have to tell that story one day. We're well, not, not going to do it today. But that was literally on purpose. And I, I didn't do it. It was my dad. I was just there.
0: I pick Kevin Zeitler. No way. No way. you so,
1: out. Listen, I haven't chugged a beer in many years, like many years. But when I did, I, I feel like I was pretty good at it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. Uh, so bring it on, Kevin Zyler. We are going to do it on this show. Or next time, when I'm in New York, we can do it in the John Boy Media Office. Maybe for the softball game. I don't know. We'll talk about it. Uh, next on the list and last on the list, Jerome Henderson, DB coach, defensive backs. He was with Atlanta. Former player. With- Yes, he was a former uh, DB, played with a bunch of teams. He was with Atlanta as the defensive passing game coordinator, which is basically a DB coach. From 2016 to 19, they were not very good in that area, but they had a lot of injuries and lack of talent. From 2012 to 15, Cowboys DB coach. That's where the Jason Garrett connection comes. 2009 to 11, the Browns DB coach. He might have even been there with Shermer for a little bit. And then 2008, the Jets DB coach. So, listen, another guy we don't know a ton of. So, you know, a direct relationship with Jason Garrett, none with Joe Judge. Uh, I watched some videos. He seems to be a guy that's bringing a lot of energy, like you mentioned, a uh, former player. Nothing to get excited about, but like I said, these positional coaches, I think a lot of people like, say more than they actually know.
0: Yeah, he was a former second-round pick. He was drafted by the Patriots. Um, something that binds every single positional coach that we have talked about this episode besides Brett Bielma. But I'll tell you why Brett Bielma uh, may also fit this mold as well. Freddie Kitchens, Mark Colombo, Jerome Henderson, and Kevin Scherer are all bald. They all have bald heads. Now, Brett Bielma fits the exception because, envision half of his head is in the form of a mohawk. And then the back half of his hair is like regular hair. But all of it is gelled up. And again, this is the contributions that I bring to Talking Giants. You're welcome. Yeah,
1: he's got weird. Have you heard Brett Bielma's voice? No. It's very deep. it's it's not country deep, but it's deep in his own way. It's, it's it's very weird. Um, you have to look it up. I put some videos up. So look up at Bobby Skinner underscore Brett Bielma, and you can find it. Um, maybe I can even do it while we're talking. Yeah. So um, I can
0: put it as I could put it as a sound bite.
1: We could. We could. Um, so we're right now, we're missing one coach, though. It's the D-line coach. Which, by the way, Freddie Roach, my gosh, dude. This guy's Rashid, like Rashid Walsh 2004. My man went from Ole Miss to the Giants, back to Ole Miss. And then someone pointed out to me that he went back to he went to Alabama. The missing man cannot stay in one place. This guy, I, he's untrustworthy now that I'm looking back at it. And I, I take back anything nice I said about him.
0: He's chasing that money, Bobby. He's chasing that dump. Well, I mean, Joe Judge has taken. I feel like Joe Judge has taken people from everywhere and anywhere. So uh, that's that's either affiliated to Alabama or the new. Yeah, like, but Patriots. he's. Moved,
1: it's one thing to move in an off season to move fifteen different times. I mean, come on. And
0: also, recruiting recruiting is pretty much a very big thing right now. So I, I can imagine how that's bad in the college world.
1: He's a very good recruiter, from what everybody says. All right. they end up naming uh, whoever they if they weren't my help I'll be here tenfold to help them um, and and, uh, move forward as long as I'm not working someplace else Uh, uh, moving forward I will do anything and everything I can to help Mark I like his voice anyways and Patriots guys talked about him a lot about his attention to detail that's another thing I I just went completely back to Brett Bielma what am I doing wow great radio well I remember the point now that I was looking at my videos on him that Lawrence guy was talking about like is like very like he was very like attention to detail kind of guy, and listen that seems to be a theme with what Joe Judge is trying to bring in. I mean, from from what we look like, it looks like a decent staff with a lot of guys who played head coach or coached as a head coach um, and some college guys. It's it's going to be interesting, Justin.
0: Certainly will be interesting. It'll be uh, definitely interesting to see the dynamic uh, heading into camp. Which I will say, an advantage that. I think a lot of Giants fans. If you're a Giants fan who's li- was listening right now and has the ability to go to training camp, uh, I think uh, Bobby and I kind of basically giving a little preview uh, about who these assistant coaches are in some kind of uh, capacity. Uh, it'll give you it'll give you some perspective if you are headed to camp to see how the how the team meshes and how the team looks during camp. If you're not there, um, hopefully Bobby and I will be spending at least one week or a couple days at training camp this summer. We'll be able to give you give you some of our perspectives on that. We can yell at Mark Colombo like, "Sing a song, Mark! Mark, sing a song!" No, we can sing his songs to him.
1: That's how we're gonna do. We're gonna have to tag him. Do you think now these guys have Twitter? Do you think any of them ever actually check it?
0: I don't know. We need to find their family members.
1: (laughs) That was not creepy at all. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Anyways, uh.
0: Yeah, Wait, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna, make that into a sound drop. We need to find their family members.
1: I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> uh, I like it a lot.
0: Do we have anything else before we shut this show down? No, Bobby. A uh, ton, of, ton of fun. This is the most fun that I've had doing something that I didn't really want to be doing in the first place. Positional coaches kind of stink.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it does. Uh, so maybe we'll get some interviews to learn more about these guys. It's, it's been a weird week from Eli retiring. To the Kobe stuff. Been a weird week, and you know, we probably I probably didn't do like I didn't find out about Kevin Ferrer to the next day. So we'll we'll see what happens. Um, we'll continue to put out stuff for you guys. We appreciate you. We'll see you guys on Friday. We'll have our regular episode back on Friday. We love you guys, and leave us a review. You want to know why? Because the top review right now is literally from a Cowboys fan talking trash. I'm serious. Mm. We can't have that as a top review, Justin. So just leave us a review for that sake. Not because we want more reviews, but it's literally from a Cowboys fan. And we do want more reviews. But like I said, I can't, I can't have that. It's from our good friend Keith. He's harassing us. Now, it's five stars, so that's, I'll take any five-star rating. But I don't want the top one being from a Cowboys fan. It just ain't right. right, we'll see you guys next, fr- this Friday. Until then, let's go Big Blue.